Hello team and welcome to episode 442 of the Simply Fit podcast. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Amy Hubbard. Amy is a licensed rapid transformational therapist and energy healer. We've spoken about a lot of different modalities of therapy on this show, but we are yet to do a deep dive on one of my favorite modalities, hypnotherapy. Until today where Amy and I discuss all things hypnotherapy and the subconscious mind, which I know is going to leave you with so many fascinating insights. In this episode, you can expect to learn what is hypnotherapy and why is it so powerful? Does it really work for everyone and can it truly be a key to transforming your entire life? Along with how Amy has used manifestation in her life including how she did so to attract her husband. So without further ado, Amy Hubbard. Amy Hubbard. Welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm doing awesome. Thanks, Elliot. I am very, very glad to hear. And I'm excited to dive into our topic conversation as well today. But before we do, can you give the listeners a little context about who you are and what it is that you do? Absolutely. I am a hypnotist. I'm a coach and I'm an energy healer. So I kind of fuse all of that together. What I like to say that I do is help people get in touch with the truth of who they are so that they can live the life they were meant to live. And when did your journey start with all of this? I usually find that most people end up in the space because it's a self-discovery journey that ends up being so profound for them that they're like, I have to spread this with everyone else. Was that the same situation and journey for you? Oh my gosh, so much so. I've been in the wellness field for the last 22 years, but I would say that wow. even before that, when I was young, it, just to briefly say, I was born in Texas and it's just a very kind of, the collective is quite a bit religious and all the things. And I remember just being always very very new agey, always into wanting to see things beyond the veil. And it just led me to this life where I'm constantly into, you know, discovering myself and becoming a hypnotherapist, becoming a coach is all part of that. But very early on, I actually accidentally discovered in so many ways how our mindset really affects our life and what we can manifest and create. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that. I spoke with Corey Allen. You might have come across him before. He's an author. He's a podcaster. He also grew up in Texas as well, but he had this interest in the more esoteric side of things. And he was raiding the libraries, looking for work yes. on Nietzsche and all this type of stuff. And he was just like, it just wasn't the norm. But it was something that he was super, super into and he might have felt like a little bit of an outsider, but he was just so gravitated towards it, even though it wasn't necessarily something that was commonly known about or accepted compared to what it might be today, especially in Texas and globally as well, full Absolutely. stop. But it's interesting that you both got that background, but still followed that trajectory as well. So tell me a little bit more about the journey that you traveled on personally as well. I'm keen to get an idea of like when you started that spiritual path once you opened up your mindset to different possibilities. Where did that take you? Okay, so I'm going to tell you a story. I don't think I've ever told this before in an interview, but my first spiritual awakening, my first like huge awakening was when I was in college and I had this dream. I, everyone was, you know, this is the 90s, right? And so everybody was going off, getting jobs, doing the thing. And I was thinking, I do not want to do that. And I had this obsession with wanting to travel the world. So I wanted it so badly, Elliot, that it was all I could think about. I was I had no means to do this. And so I just, I didn't know what I was doing, but every day I was asking this question, which was, how can I create this? And I must have gone through like two months of this before I woke up in the middle of the night one night. It was like somebody was whispering in my ear and I was like, that's it. 
I had this idea that dropped in. I said, I'm going to teach English overseas. Oh, wow. I made one phone call to a friend who happened, she's Greek. And she says to me, guess what I'm doing? I'm teaching English in Greece and I'll get you a job. And that started this whole just awakening for me. And I ended up in Greece and then I ended up in Taiwan teaching. And then I ended up traveling all over the world. And as I did, I was tapping into something that I had never consciously tapped into before. And I would say that that was my intuition, my spirit, my soul. And that just led me to so many things in my life. Yeah, it's insane how you had that whisper and it's kind of like you opens yourself up to any option from universal intelligence and it was just like here is the direction and if you are able to just put your ear a little bit closer and listen yes. closely enough then you're going to get that and then the next step is obviously acting on that as well I think that's a big thing yes. in the industry that I'm in and the industry that everyone's in to be completely honest is that we get these gentle nudges from the universe whether yeah, they be you need to head in this direction or you need to not head in this direction it is always kind of nudging us and nudging us. And we've just got to be A, willing to listen and be willing to take action off the back of that as well. So you take this opportunity, you travel around the world and then you come back. And from my understanding, you came back and decided you want to be an energy healer. Is that correct? Actually, here's what happened. I became a massage therapist first, like a very grounded okay. sort of thing. I moved to being, I was in Asia and then I moved to New York City I had contacts there. So I kind of, I just set up my life there and mm -hmm. I became a massage therapist, which in New York is a bit more of a pain than other places. Like it takes a bit of time, but I did okay. that. And I did that for many years and I became an energy healer also in that process. As I went along though, in that career, I became more and more esoteric with it. Like when I was doing energy healing at first, it was like Reiki and things, you know, and then later on, I learned, you know, theta healing and in different things. And I was actually working with clients doing that. So gotcha. So you started off with a body to begin with. And yeah. then I think that what I found as well is anytime you go to a massage therapist as well, they kind of feel the energy that comes off you. So was that kind of your experience as well? It's like, okay, well, I can feel all of this energy bound up and it is kind of taking shape in this physical form maybe not only can I do something to kind of get rid of this on a physical level but there's something I need to do to kind of push this away or bring in more energy from a spiritual level as well absolutely and I also began to see patterns with people uh, for example like people that would come in with low back stuff this is just one example I'm not saying this is a hundred percent across the board for everybody but often People that came in with low back and hip stuff, they were having some kind of level of issue with support in their life, for example, or money issues. Right. So I began to see patterns with different things, and that just became very, very interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. That's, if I'm honest, that's kind of what happened with my health and fitness journey as well, and the yeah. clients that I work with. Initially, it was like, okay, perfect. I'm going to help people with their training and nutrition. And then all of a sudden, it was like, well, everyone has these same blocks, and it's this thing that we talk about all the time which is their mindset and I'm like well I literally cannot look past this it's like it's almost essential to the person's process and it's probably the same as you as well it's like well oh, yeah. I can do as much work on this person's lower back as I possibly can but if they don't get to the root of the problem here then I'm gonna have a client for life which is amazing for me from a financial perspective but maybe ethically it feels not sound because I know that they are kind of coming to me for a, a reason that I can only solve the symptom here, but I can't solve the cure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that what you're talking about exactly right there is what kept leading me to more and more and more, you know, that I was like, even actually, Elliot, with the energy healing, like when I stepped into theta healing, it's a very powerful modality. And yet 
there was this part of me that was just like, well, but they think that I'm the one, that I'm the one doing the healing. And that also didn't quite resonate with me. So that's eventually how I got into the hypnotherapy side of it, because with hypnosis, really everything comes from within you. And I'm able to yeah. help them see that. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about that transition as well. And I love that you kind of gave us that segue to, to understanding that, yeah, it's not some mystic healer that they're coming to and kind of can yeah. attribute all of their healing to you. It's like, yeah, I've done my own experience with hypnotherapy. I've done it twice now. And I can very much see that, you know, the hypnotherapist took me into that state. But then ultimately, it's kind of a guidance journey. And this is the same as my job as well. It's like, I don't lose yeah. the weight for anyone. I don't gain the muscle for anyone. I just tell them what they need to be doing and try to help them on their way. And it's the same as a hypnotherapy journey as well. So talk to me a little bit more about that yes. transition and how that opened up your world to probably more healing and also on a more, not only deeper level, but a level in which actually solved like the root of the problem yes. and not the symptom. Absolutely. So I want to say that I came from a background as much as I've been into healing, like just really low confidence in myself and what I could actually do, right? And mm -hmm. a lot of my own issues around being seen, for example, for me to be on this podcast today, in my opinion, is a miracle. And it is a testament to all the hypnosis, all the healing work that I've been receiving over the years, truly. Wow. And I went on my own journey to heal myself. Again, I've gone through periods of time, you know how you go through life and you have those periods where you're you know, you're really focused on your healing and then you come out of it and you, right. So I went into my next phase of healing. I really wanted to heal those, that self-esteem stuff and actually expand and make a bigger impact, you know, with what I was doing in the world. And I came across hypnotherapy during that time. This happened to be right before COVID. So it was the perfect time. And I dove into it and I was receiving so much of, like I said, being worked on myself. And then I decided, you know what, this what this is doing for me, I want to bring it to other people. Yeah. You know, I really want to bring it to them. Yeah, it's such a profound impact that so many people have gone through. And actually maybe want to bring it back to the ground level. Sometimes I think I speak to my audience as if everyone's had this experience. But can you go through exactly what hypnotherapy is? Maybe what your experience with it was like? And also kind of work you're planning to do with a client. If someone walks into your office or they do yeah. it virtually... Like, what are they looking to expect? So the beautiful thing about hypnosis is I think that there's a lot of myths around it. And we see stage hypnosis and really? we think that your hypnotherapist is going to make you bark like a dog and do these things. Okay. <laughs> hypnosis really is so simple. What it is, it's just a trance state. And it's not even a deep trance state necessarily. It can be. But we go into trance every day, all day long. You don't even realize you're doing it. You could be driving to work. You've done it thousands of times and you kind of zone out and you're like, oh, I'm here. Your subconscious mind took over. Simply put, what's happening is we're going into a very light or sometimes deeper trance state, but you have control. You have absolute control in the state. And what happens is when we do this, the conscious mind by the way, the conscious mind is only 5% of our programming. Our entire life is pretty much run by our subconscious. Earlier. We quiet that down and we go into a more relaxed state. And when we're in this state, we actually can be even more aware. And so when what I discovered for myself on the receiving end was that I was able to see things, understand things, and experience myself at a whole new multi-dimensional level. Like I could actually get beyond the story of I'm Amy Hubbard, 
I was born in Texas. Like there's just so much more <laughs> to all of us than that. You know, I just have to say, I really do come from the belief that we are all divine sovereign creators. That's how I see myself. That's how I see everybody in the world. And I love to help people access that. And when we go into those trance states, we can not only kind of pull up things, getting, like you said, to the root cause. Why am I doing this? What's happening here? We can just go in and change that. And exactly what does that process look yeah. like? Obviously, it was a self-esteem things for you. Obviously, you recognize that you are more than A.B. Hubbard from Texas. And I want to ask about the cultural differences as well, because I find that when I speak to Americans specifically, they always have a story. You know, they're like, it's not usual to ask someone in the UK, like, what's your story? We get a little bit like uptight about it. We don't really share too much. But if I ask an American what their story is, they'll tell me for the next 30 minutes about every single thing that they've ever gone through. So it's interesting about the cultural differences. So let's tap on that in just a moment, because I'm curious about that. But yeah. can we get started with like, okay, well, where were those self-esteem issues linked to? Were they linked to yeah. somewhere in your 20s? Was it your teens? Was it before that? So here's how it usually works. Um, a lot of our issues as an adult are often from childhood. Because between the ages of zero, seven, eight years old, Good. you're building your entire foundation, like your entire package of beliefs, how you see the world, how you see yourself. This is based on your interpretation of events. Now, you could have had the, quote, perfect childhood, but everybody in their life knows what trauma is because we've all experienced it. Some have unfortunately experienced very deep trauma, but all of us have had it in one form or another. Your parents, even if they're perfect, there's just no way that at every moment of your life they can be there for you. So we form beliefs about ourselves based on the collective and how we see people responding to us. My issues went back to, yes, some things that happened when I was very much younger. And also, I would just say that I always felt like an outsider because I didn't really get, especially when I was really young, I always had these beliefs, like I said, about things. And I didn't have anybody to connect to on that. Mm. And so I sort of felt like an outsider. A lot of it, you know, just came from that. And anyway, so... That happens to a lot of us, even with, I would say, like, for example, weight loss, like people who want to shed weight. There are often times I've had clients come in. For example, I've had a few women come in that were sexually abused, and they had a belief that it wasn't safe to actually be fit. It's not safe to be slim because then you're more attractive and you might get looked at uh... because it wasn't safe for them when they were little. So your subconscious mind is like your best friend. It has one job, and that is to keep you alive and safe. And so a lot of these beliefs, they're old beliefs. They're outdated beliefs from our childhood. And so when we go through the process of being hypnotized, we can actually go in. We don't even have to necessarily revisit those childhood memories. It's not that, but we get to go into those deeper layers to where the programming's stored and then we can shift it. Yeah, it's fascinating. Would you say, because I've had this conversation with many people, especially when I went through my journey for the first time, I was trying to push it onto everyone. I didn't want to come to a therapist myself, but I wanted to tell every single person I knew about it. Yeah. And during that process, when I did, especially as a health and fitness coach, like I always tried to find the link, you know, through if someone wasn't open to the idea of it, I would try to give them as much questioning to kind of find that link and see if we could start pulling on a string that would reveal more. And I had a couple of people just say, I had nothing. Like there's nothing from my childhood that I can really think of that is causing this. Whereas I'm very much of the same belief as you in the sense that I believe it's all linked back for 
you know, somewhere within that age of, like you said, being born to seven years old, if it's not 10 years old or whatever it might have been. But my belief once again is if it happened as a teenager, it got triggered when you were much younger and you just remember that instance because it's maybe more triggering than the initial instance that started this in the first place. So for those people who yeah. say, well, like I said, yeah, I had this dream childhood. I literally cannot think of anything. What do you say to those people about digging into their past and yeah. maybe finding their root cause of the situations they're going through? It's okay if they don't remember it. Mm. I mean, from the perspective of the way that I work, sometimes actually when we go into hypnosis, there can be an awareness. But here's the thing. Your nervous system stores everything. So when we talk about the subconscious mind, I just want to bring it into the body for a moment. Sure. It's actually stored. Your body really is the subconscious mind and your nervous system. So that's why when we go in to change programming and hypnosis, we can access it in so many different ways. It doesn't have to be a memory. It actually doesn't. You can feel a sensation in the body. The language of the subconscious mind is actually fascinating. It really talks to us through like dreams and, you know, it talks to us through our imagination. And imagination, I'm just going to say this on top of that, that imagination is really anything but imaginary. It truly is a language and it creates reality. And so sometimes, like you say, if we had this thing and we can't go into it, we can open the portal of that through a feeling, like mm. emotional feeling. What does it make you feel like, you know, or a sensation in the body? There's different things that we can do to access it and it may not be a conscious mind memory and that's okay and do you think that so many people have just put on and as you mentioned the subconscious's goal is to keep you safe to keep you protected do you think many of the reasons why people can't see that is the subconscious is actually blocking them from even remembering it in the first place because of yeah that in turn is keeping them safe oh absolutely absolutely sometimes it is blocking because it doesn't want you to go through the feelings, right? It doesn't want you to feel all the feelings inside of us. So not to go to, but I just want to say within the subconscious, okay, we have many different ego states, many different parts of us. You know, you've heard the expression, the wounded child. Yep. Well, there's more than one wounded child often in people. It's not just one, but there's many different parts of us, you know, and sometimes what happens is one of those parts is like protecting us, like keeping these stories, these things kind of under lock, you know? And so really I work with all of that, but it's like when we can just connect with ourselves and I'll just say this again, through the feelings, because even if you're not working with a hypnotist, you can connect yourself through the feelings. That really is the doorway in. If you're wanting to know how to connect at a deeper level with yourself, always go to how you feel. Always go into, especially when you're triggered. Mm -hmm. What does that remind me of? You know, for example, if you feel really hurt because somebody said something and instead of like, take a moment and stop thinking about them for a moment, go into yourself. Where is it that you feel it? What is it that you're feeling? What does it remind you of? And you'd be surprised what comes up and you just listen. It could be, oh, it reminds me of when I was a little kid and my mom used to, whatever, this happened, you know, and just listen to it because we are, when we, that's just getting deeper, that's getting like deeper into our consciousness and that's where healing can take place, when we can listen to ourselves. Like, you know, when you've been working with people and they have an eating thing and they're constantly eating and they're having a hard time with those cravings mm -hmm. they're seeking something outside of themselves like they're not nurturing themselves in some way and so a great start to healing that is to actually stop before you follow through and eat that thing and go into the experience of wow what is it that i'm really feeling right now what is this that's it and it's just 
reinforcing that cycle if you don't take that opportunity to stop right and it becomes even more of kind of an unconscious habit that is only going to continue with you being in this vicious cycle if you don't ever take a moment to stop but all of this sounds like it requires an incredible amount of emotional awareness and emotional intelligence and time as well which i think so many people will put up that obstacle of like well first and foremost I think unless someone has got some form of interest in this area, they might not be open to asking those questions. Maybe they start to sure. ask those questions because they're like, well, I'm not happy with being overweight anymore, or I don't like my financial situation, or why am I getting into all these bad relationships, etc. But another thing might be like, well, I don't even have the time to stop and think about these things. I barely have time to tie up my shoelaces, yeah. right? So where do we go with yeah. those situations where people are really seeing the challenges in their life, but aren't able to... A, they don't have that emotional awareness, or B, they don't even have the time to start entertaining the idea of that. Okay. So we all have five to 10 minutes that we can give ourselves. Mm. So let's just start with that. Because you know, and I know that whatever our priorities are, we make time for. Now, I understand there are people who literally are like, but take five minutes, start with that. Let's just start really basic. What I like to tell people is set your intentions. What is it that you are creating? When you set an intention, you are speaking, you are giving directions to your mind. You are giving directions to your mind, your body, and your spirit. You're saying, this is what I'm creating. So if you're creating, I am healthy, let's just say, for example, I am slim and healthy and joyous, right? But that's not true right now in this moment, but that's your, you can start by connecting with that intention every day. Just take five minutes, connect with it. Because what you're doing is you're calling it in mm-hmm. and you're bringing your awareness to it. And you can remind yourself of that intention throughout the day. If you say the intention and you're like, that's absolute, you know, like I'm not slim or I'm not whatever, that's the moment where you need to take and sit with yourself and really just feel what's really coming up here, what's going on. And you might find surprising things come up like, wow. Like there's a part of me that really doesn't feel like I deserve this. You know what I mean? Or that develops emotional awareness, number one. Number two, I'm a big believer that, like I said, you're giving your mind instructions, your body, your soul. You're directing the field, as I say. You're opening up the quantum field for a higher possibility for you. You know, and that's a really simple thing that you can start to do every single day. And here's a crazy thing. As we set our intentions, it's like, The universe goes, okay, and it will start to bring you stuff that you get to clear so you can be more in alignment with that intention. Yeah. Which is not always fun and exciting, but it's how it works. It really is how it works. Yeah, I love that. It's kind of like your journey in the sense, right, of the, like you said, you were just looking for those opportunities to really have no real reason why you were supposed to travel or had the means to travel but all of a sudden, once you start opening yourself up to that, and I know that you also mentioned in your bio that you manifested your husband as well. So I'm curious to ask that question a little bit later as well. Yeah. But yeah, like you said, it's just kind of open yourself up for that. And my one question off the back of that, a little bit of devil's advocate here is, what about all of the overriding signals that we get from social media, our environment? Yeah. Like this is prevalent and way louder than the five minutes yes. we're going to take per day to tap into our intuition. Absolutely. So how do we stay resilient enough to lean into the gentle knocks from the universe when we have super aggressive knocks coming from every single person we encounter? So part of that is you leading yourself home, right? And mm. so what that may mean is, first off, cutting some time out with social media. You know, this is like, we have to lead ourselves. We get to lead ourselves. It's always a choice. I know 
exactly what you mean with social media. We all do. And yet spending a lot of time on it, especially when you're going through something like that, make the choice, choose to be your own leader and say, I'm not going to do, you know, I'm only going to allow X amount of time on there, right? Surround yourself, go out of your way to surround yourself with people that are supportive. You know, if you're not finding support from your spouse, that is really tough. I mean, I have to admit that that's a tough situation, uh -huh. but you've got to go out there and find it through others until you build yourself up enough because you need the evidence. You need the evidence to keep, you know, that's how it works, right? We do things, we move forward, we see the evidence that we're like, okay, let's take the next step, right? But in the beginning, we don't have that. So we got to have the, you know, our own resilience to say, okay, I'm willing to see a higher possibility here and I'm willing to cut out certain things and maybe give myself other things to replace that that are much healthier. Yeah. I love that. You know, at the end of the day, it's up to us. You know, yeah. it is up to us. Like you said, it's not just about closing off what we know isn't the most ideal for us, but it's kind of letting in the space for something that could be better for us as well. Right. Yeah. And it requires a level of discipline as well, because I think this, just like we mentioned yeah. with food earlier, it's like social media is very much a coping yeah. mechanism in many ways as well. So just the same way that someone might be leaning towards food every single time they have this emotional trigger, they're also leaning towards social media. Maybe it's lack of community or a lack of feeling like they belong yes. and they want to feel like something or they want someone to strive to, or even, yeah, it could be a number of different things. So I think that that requires discipline in itself as well. So let's come back to the hypnotherapy sessions themselves. Obviously you've done a good job at combining a lot of different modalities of healing within the work that you do. And I'm curious to see why you decided to bring in NLP into that equation as well. And can you explain a little yeah. bit about what NLP is for those who have no come across it before? Yeah, I mean, neurolinguistic programming is all part of my training when I first, the first training that I had in hypnosis, I actually studied with Marissa Pure. I did rapid transformational therapy. And there's just a lot of NLP woven into it. And NLP is such a beautiful technique because it gives us a way of thinking completely differently. And it opens up a doorway into the subconscious just through language. So it's just a very, very, I use it actually with people while they're obviously in hypnosis. And then I'm even using it, you know, in the coaching process and just teaching them different ways of thinking that are much more open than, you know, the ways that they were thinking before. And when we can think differently, what begins to happen is we see the world differently and we see ourselves differently. And then as that happens, we, we're, we're becoming like that next level identity. You know, we're kind of, we're starting to let go of the old identity and stepping into the new identity. And it's just really powerful. Yeah. Can you give us an exact example of someone who has maybe started with a narrative or a certain way of speaking yeah. and talking to the world and themselves where you have come in and transformed their way of talking. I want people to kind of clutch on so something that might yeah. be very realistic. Maybe we can use a weight loss example. Absolutely. Okay, I had one client come in for weight loss and what was going on with her? She was feeling a lot of guilt. And so what we did in her sessions is we really turned that guilt around and got her to see it from a whole new perspective. When that happened, she dropped weight immediately because what was happening was there was a level of I don't deserve, number one, to be, you know, slim because I'm guilty. I mean, it was she wasn't thinking consciously like that, but it was underneath. Mm. And then also the body was actually physically holding that guilt for her, literally physically holding it. 
And so she came in when she got done with the experience of working with me, she also had cleared a lot of guilt. It just felt so much gratitude for what she had and her family was able to lose the weight. I mean, that's a really great example of somebody who came in. I've had another person come in to see me that he had issues because when he was younger, he was super, super skinny and he hated it. Like he was a young man, he was getting, you know, so he always told himself, I want to be bigger. I want to be bigger. Well, that stuck in his subconscious mind way deep into his adult life and he got his wish. I mean, he was very overweight. And so we got to go in and change that, you know. That really had to be changed in order for him to lose weight. Literally, that was a very concise belief that we just pulled that out, flipped that around. And, you know, that until he could get that removed, it was just very hard for him. Like he would, you know, go on the diet, go off, go on Uh the diet. You you know the story. And now what's happened is it's just become a lifestyle for him. He's much, much, you know, better. Yeah. And talk to us about how you transformed his narrative. What did that new narrative look like? Did he have to go back and say, okay, well, I got my wish. I am big and I'm no longer that skinny little child anymore. What did it look like to transform that yeah. story and that narrative? Well, he said, he tells himself, I'm not that skinny little boy anymore. I am not him. I'm a strong adult man. You know, I know how to take care of myself. There was a lot of, you know, I'm capable of this. Uh, you know, I can do what I believe in. You know, I'm here for my family. There was just a lot of... He also had some looping around, like he'd always worked very, very hard, was successful, and now he's in retirement. But he had always had this, you know what I mean? Like this loop to business. Like I've got to, you know, Mm -hmm. and now it's like he's retired. He has the time to take care of himself. So he had to really change that and be absolutely mindful around food, around drinking, around all the things, right? Yeah, absolutely. And now I'm interested about the long-term impact of that what i find with a lot of people who have gone through hypnotherapy is that they've gone and they've been able to dive deep into all these challenges these traumas that they've had and it's almost like they come out on the other side as another person it's like the best way that i can think about this and bear with me on this long tangent is that yeah the best way i've got described when i think about antibiotics for example the idea behind an antibiotic is to basically eliminate all the gut bacteria whether it's good or bad because it removes a virus or whatever it yep. needs to in the process and that's why they're fantastic in terms of removing viruses but along with the bad they also take the good and that's why they're problematic but the way that someone described this to me it was like imagine like a beautiful football field and asteroid comes and wipes it all out it's amazing because there's nothing there there's no bad weeds or anything there anymore but also now you are left with just kind of a fresh surface and now you have to build on top of that so to come full circle on that story i find the idea is that it's kind of like the asteroid in a way that doesn't necessarily destroy but it wipes out everything that was there now you have this beautiful new opportunity to now repopulate and start to grow some you know beautiful grass and a beautiful garden whatever you want to build now but i find that maybe hypnotherapy does very good at wiping things away and kind of revealing our traumas. But I find a lot of people have an issue with refilling their life with the things that they truly want. So can you talk to us a little bit more about that next yeah. step into kind of coming into your full potential, living the life that you wanted to live versus just kind of navigating your trauma? Absolutely. So I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because I think it's really important. It's also why I'm a coach. <laughs> because as you know, if you don't take the action step. So you come in, you have a beautiful session and you know, you see these amazing things. Couple things, number one, that I like to do is I bring in resources for people. Okay. I don't bring them in actually. I guide them to find their own resources because we all have them. 
That's number one. So when you talk about that empty field, I'm going to bring the resources in already to start really, you know, so that they can build from that because they are already there. No matter what, there's even like a millisecond of resources in your life, we can find it. We can bring it in. And through doing that, then of course, yes, we're going to remove things, but then we're going to replace it. What I like to do is really, I help people extract their vision. What is it that you want to create in your life, right? And so we program the subconscious mind with that. It's not a one and done deal. The subconscious mind learns through repetition. So with me, they're going to walk away with an audio to listen to for a minimum of 21 days. But the other part of that and what you're really speaking to is that people don't take action. And that is when you take action, and I can say this for myself, honestly, there was a period of time where I was receiving a lot of healing, especially around being seen and my confidence, and I wasn't actually taking the steps to move forward. So it's like, well, okay, did I change the belief? Well, I guess I did, but like, how would I know? Because I didn't do the thing, right? Yeah. And then when I started to do the things and take the action, what began to happen was my confidence really grew. It really exploded because I was like, oh, I'm doing it. Like I did it. I'm doing this. So that's why I offer the coaching with a lot of what I do, because the key is you go through the experience, right? We're doing the rewiring. And part of the rewiring process is you bringing the beliefs into this 3D body right here, right now, and taking those action steps. You know, and as you take those action steps, does it mean that you're going to be like, let's say you come to me because you're terrified of public speaking. We can clear that in a session. That's absolutely possible. But does that mean the next time you speak that you're not going to be uncomfortable, that you're not going to feel nervous? No, it doesn't mean that at all. It just means that you're actually able to do it and you're going to breathe through it and you're going to step in. You know what I'm saying? And it's all going to happen. But that's the next level. I'm not saying, by the way, that I can clear everybody of anything in one session. I'm not because oftentimes it can take a process. But I just, you know, I'm just saying unless we take those steps, Ugh. how do we know? Like that's actually where you really wire it in. And how do you go about getting that integrated into people? Because I think so many people will think, well, if I just got rid of this fear of public speaking, I would be able to step onto any stage in the world. And you won't be able to keep me off stages. Yeah. If I was just able the to hurt? remove this block that I have with food, I'm going to have the abs and I'm going to look in the shape of my life. What is that missing link between the two? Like, because we do think we're like, oh, just remove the issue and the solution will appear. But it's really not that. It's kind of remove the issue, implement the action, and then the solution starts to appear. But it doesn't mean it's right. a straight road there. But it, funnily enough, it always seems like it's got to be that way. Yeah, it's interesting because what we get to do is become the person who actually can have that. And in order yeah. for that to happen, that's the action. So when you ask, what do I do? It really depends on the client. But if somebody came to me and they for weight loss and they're saying, you know, I want this, 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 I'm like, all right, great. What are the first five steps that you're doing right now to step into that, to make that a reality. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I give them tools because they are going to, like if you bump up, for example, around food and you're like, oh God, all I want to eat is potato chips right now. You know, I've had a bad day. I'm going to also give them tools that they can use in those moments to just stop. If you're going to do that before you do it, let's have a moment here. There's different things that we can do to tap in really quickly and kind of, you know, often cut that stuff off at the pass. So yeah, but absolutely. I help them. What are you going to do? What are the steps? What does that look like? You know, and I coach them through that. Yeah, I love that. What you just said there was you become the person who's able to do it, not the person yeah. who is that, right? Like that still requires exactly. the energy and work. And that's the biggest thing, right? Yeah. Someone literally starts at the very beginning as 
I'm not even the person who can do this. Like that's their belief and their identity. Yes. Then hypnotherapy is essentially, I can be the person who can do this. But then that re yeah. is required by action that takes us to that next level. And that definitely makes sense. And as to why it's not just one and done like a solution, obviously it's going to give a lot of people relief because most people who go through this type of thing are people who are in desperate need, right? So they come out on the other side and their life looks a lot brighter. But then it's like, well, now I have all this potential. And it's like, well, I want to reach that potential because all of a sudden it's like I'm being given this new lease of life. But as you mentioned, you know, action is required. So with that being said, you mentioned that there's some techniques. Do you have any like aftercare techniques? You mentioned that 21 days of listening to a script on a day-to-day -day basis as well. What does the aftercare process look like to ensure that they really reinforce this new identity and then they do take those next steps onto not just, yeah, for example, in my world, they don't just lose the weight, but they sustain that weight loss. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. First off, there with certain programs I have, I have they're in touch with me. So when they need something, they can, you know, we connect. But the other thing is, is that they have the audio that they're listening to. That is a big part of the aftercare. I have them doing a daily ritual, which is intention setting. People are different on that, but I work with them on setting that up. The other thing is, is that I use tapping as well, like mm. um, EFT techniques, because that literally rewires when we're having these, like I'll call them crunchy moments, like we're triggered. It's stub things going on, your amygdala is activated. When we do the tapping, you're bringing it to a higher level awareness to the hippocampus. I'm just giving you the technical stuff with it. But what we, so to kind of move through these feelings, you know, people often, if they come to me for anxiety, these tools are great because, you know, anxiety is a funny thing and it's a looping thing, right? So when we can do stuff for ourselves to help stop the loop, and just like drop in to ourselves. A lot of times over time, what we're doing, I like to say is we're recoding our neurology. We are literally recoding our neurology uh, to a much higher level. And it's up to us to do that. We can use the tools. It works. So you recoded your neurology to manifest your husband. Tell me more about that story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so back in the day, and this is my, I was having my, I come back from Asia and I was living in New York. So eventually I decided, like I was dating and I decided this is not working out for me. Like if I am attracted to a guy, he is the wrong guy for me. And so I knew enough back then that I needed to do subconscious work. And I actually did go see a hypnotist. And on top of that, I did a lot of my own work and I came across this, you know, you may have heard of Louise Hay. You know who I'm talking about? Louise Hay? No, I haven't actually. Okay. She's very famous for, she talks about every ailment in your life or in your body is connected to like a, a spiritual or an emotional disconnect, Got right? You. And so I was really working through her stuff and I was doing meditations and I was really like diving in deep to what is this thing I have with dating? I'm not good at it. Like I always choose the wrong ones. And so I went through a deep process with that and I began a manifestation practice where every day I would just focus on, I was healing certain beliefs about myself and I would do that at the time I didn't have all the knowledge I have now, but I would do that by just focusing on what I was feeling and then I would visualize, I'd go into deep visualization and I also, I, this is the crazy part, at the same time I was asking for a partner, I was also asking to meet a teacher who could teach me about Louise Hay's work. Well, lo and behold, it took uh, quite a few months. It, well, it took like eight months, I think. And I met my husband who I did not know was going to be my husband at the time. And the work he was doing was directly like Louise Hay type work oh, with wow. clients. <laughs> and I was just like, whoa, the power of the universe. Like my human mind can only think of things like this, right? But then you give it up to whatever you want to call it, source. 
And they're like, oh, let me arrange this, you know, for you in the highest way possible, right? But I did the work. Like, I really worked on myself. And yeah, so that's the story of meeting him. Yeah, I love that. Life gave you a real good package deal there, right? It gave you a, right? <laughs> a two for one. But <laughs> what I love about the part that you just said there as well is that you did the work in the meantime. And I think that the big message I want to get across to a lot of people today, I think those two things that we've just mentioned in this last five minutes have been really powerful. It's like, you know, this process of going through hypnotherapy, for example, will take you to be the person who can achieve the thing that you want to achieve. But then the next step is actually doing the work as well. Like you said, you were manifesting, yeah. you were doing, you were sending out these signs to the universe, you were ready to accept them and hear them. But in the meantime, you were doing the work. And it's interesting, a lot of people have asked me in the past, right? Like, you know, how do I attract the woman in my dreams or the man in my dreams? Yeah. I'm like, well, start preparing to be the type of person that you need to be when they show up. Because if you're not, they'll walk past you and you won't even realize. And all, totally. yeah, so realistically, I think it all comes down to, okay, have that trust in the universe and that faith in the universe, which isn't always the easiest thing to do at times. But if you're so focused on doing the work in the meantime and you leave the rest up to the universe, you're so focused on doing the work that it just arrives in your life as it did for you. And you're just like, ah, wait a minute. Like, you know, I was so busy doing the work that I stopped like trying to force this issue and try and find it in every exactly. single other place. And then I just allowed it to be, and then it came. And I love that story that you tell there because it really encapsulates that very, very nicely. Thank you. And I think it also, for all of us, we're always manifesting. One way or another, you're manifesting. We're creating. That sets the nature of who we are. And so when we do create, that we want to create from a place of wholeness. Yeah, yeah. We can attract a partner, but if you're not creating from that place of wholeness, if you're creating from your wounded child aspect of yourself that didn't get enough love, ooh, what kind of partner? You know, it, it's... You know what I'm saying? So that's the point, right? Is healing from those things so we can really live the truth of who we are, which is already whole, complete. Doesn't matter if our body isn't perfect. Doesn't matter any of it. The truth is we are perfect. We are here to create. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I want to kind of come now to parents. I think obviously the first piece of advice that I give parents in the health and fitness world is like, you know sort your own health and fitness out before you start to think yeah. about your children's because of that's going to be the most powerful yeah. thing you can do and i can imagine that's the advice that you give anyone to be working on their subconscious mind but as we know and i said this to a meditation practitioner maybe two years ago or something along those lines on a podcast and i was like why is it that we have to go through like 20 to 30 years of trauma before we actually get to start living our life so now i'm thinking okay well if you know in the future i want to be a parent and i'm sure there's many people listening yeah. now who are planning to have kids soon what does the ideal maybe it's not ideal per se but what's it look like to try and scope an environment for your child in which you can leave them with the least kind of emotional trauma and damage or at least set them up for the most success that they can have by not kind of traumatizing them and wounding them in the process. Yeah. First off, we are human. We're here for the human game <laughs> and it will happen. And, you know, it's just the way it is. And yet when you can love yourself as whole and complete, that's what your child will imprint off of. Sure. When you are able to listen to yourself, when you're able to listen to your partner and your child sees that and you see your child, you fully, the most important thing in my opinion of course, giving them unconditional love, that's a no-brainer, right? But listening to them, really listening to them and seeing them fully, you know, because a lot of times w with all of us, whether you have children or not, a lot of your patterning that you have in your relationships, especially with spouses, people you're really close to, a lot of that patterning can come from like past family stuff. 
And some of those patterns may be great and some of them not so great. The more you can be conscious of those things, the better you're giving your child that chance of just really also being really conscious, also being very emotionally aware, and you're instilling in them a sense of self-esteem and that really is everything uh, like them believing in themselves them feeling like what they feel is heard and seen is so healing you know i mean we all know what it feels like when we have deep feelings and very emotional but we're not heard or seen we stuff it so children it's very important that children feel like they can be seen and heard and they're safe to do that so that they learn over their lifetime that they become these adults who can process emotions and feelings and then let them go. Yeah, I like that a lot. And it reminds me of a story that I think my hypnotherapist told me and she couldn't find love in her life. And it's interesting because this is where maybe a dad had his best intentions for his daughter. But he said something along the lines, I don't remember exactly what it was like. He was like, I will always love you the most. No one will ever love you like I do. Yeah. And it came from a very sentimental and nice place. But in the back of her mind, anytime that she would go out on a date with someone or try to pursue a relationship, she's like, well, no one's ever going to love me as much as my dad will. And she never felt the full expression of love that a partner would give her. So it's interesting when a parent was trying to do his wow. best and say, like, I want yeah. to love my daughter as hard as I possibly can, ended up doing the thing that ended up putting situations in a way and obstacles in a way to getting a partner. Yeah, it's so fascinating, isn't it? We can't always catch ourselves in the moment. We just don't always all have the awareness, do we? Like we can only be the best we are in every single moment. Uh, you know, and we're all we all make mistakes. We all know what it's like to make a mistake. And of course her father would have never wanted to do that, you know, had he known. But then again, maybe she wouldn't be where she is today as a you know, a hypnotherapist doing the work she's doing, because she understands the power of the subconscious mind and what happens when we take on these beliefs, right? So, you know, we can't change what happened in the past, but we can reframe it. We can really see things from a whole new powerful place. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like yeah. you said, the work starts with it yourself. And then, as you mentioned, making sure that your children feel seen, heard, safe, and like you said, reinforcing that self-esteem as much as possible, I think it's going to be a powerful one. And the final question I've got off the back of hypnotherapy is, do people need a tune-up from time to time? Would you say that, you know, this is something that people should do yearly, every five years, every 10 years, or does it completely depend on their circumstances as well? Completely depends on their circumstances. You know, I mean, I've definitely had clients that came to see me. We've gone through a big process together, transformation, and then they came for something else. I mean, that happens, yep. you know, because they know that it works. I really, it depends on the person. I would never, ever say across the board what anybody needs. And sometimes when people come to you, I'm like, I'm not sure. Let's work together and let's see. You know what I mean? So uh, yeah, so I couldn't say across the board for sure. And another thing that I think people are thinking of as well is that, and hopefully you can do your best to communicate this in a way in which people don't think that they have to. But I have this big thing at the moment that I'm thinking with is that people wait until things get bad until they actually do something about that. And do things have to be really bad? Do you have to have these huge traumas that you're dealing with? Or can you just come and say, well, actually, yeah, I don't feel as confident as I would like to be. Or yeah, I'm not having too much success with dating. And, you know, I can blame Tinder or I can blame whatever, but maybe I can start looking inwards. Can you come for like smaller things? Because I think people think, well, they associate trauma with the word as something yeah. very, very strong, you know? Yeah, no, trauma, when we talk about trauma, what's a trauma for one person may not be a trauma for another. We don't have to talk about like these crazy deep traumas. Trauma is trauma, period. When your nervous system, you know, goes through something and it has, it can't process it, that's a trauma. 
So that means somebody could say something really mean to you and that's a trauma to one person, but the other person's like, I don't care. You know what I mean? So let's just lay that yep. across the board. But I think that absolutely, if you're feeling stuck in something, and especially if you're taking action on something, like you said, dating, uh, and it's not working, there's a subconscious block there. Like, why not go see a hypnotist to remove that? I would. Like, up-level your thinking. There's something there that you don't know. Or maybe you do know it, but you just can't clear it. You know? So you have to be open in order to allow this to work. I know some people are more suggestible yeah. than others. I'm sure you get a lot of people come into your office and like, well, I think I know I should be here in a way, but I have a lot of resistance. Do you feel that mm -hmm. there needs to be a level of belief and openness in order for this to be successful? I think that people have to really be committed to wanting to get better. That's the number one thing. But a lot of people come to me and they say, well, I just don't believe I can be hypnotized. But, you know, like I said, I dispel that very quickly. I'm like, it doesn't matter because we're just taking you into a relaxed state. I know how to work with many different, you know, all kinds of situations. We can always get into the subconscious. In fact, we can work at the subconscious without even hypnotizing you. So, yeah, it's you'd be surprised. I mean, literally, think about how many times a day you just kind of find yourself just be staring off into space. You just went into a trance. Literally, you went into hypnosis. We take ourselves there all the time. So I think that if somebody's like, oh, my, you know, if someone came to me and they were like, well, my wife wanted me to come because blah, 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 but I don't want to be here. I won't work with a person like that because I don't expect that they would get results. I really don't. You have to want them. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah. And this has been an unbelievably fascinating conversation, Amy. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I want to ask you. you a final couple of questions. And the first is, what impact do you want to have on the world with the work that you do? Oh, wow. I feel like my mission is to help people wake up to the truth of who they are beyond just these human stories. That's my message. Yeah. That's beautiful. Very, very beautiful. Thank you. And where's the best place for people to find you if they want to keep up with the work that you're doing? So a couple of places. One, my website. It's easy. I am wholeness.com. And another way to find me, you can find me on Instagram. And my name is spelled A-M-I and then it's underscore wholeness. Perfect. We'll make sure that's all in the show notes below. Thank you. But Amy has been, like I said, a fascinating conversation. I think it's yes, going to spark you. a lot of curiosity. And yeah, if anyone's interested in getting into Amy's world, head over to those links and I'm sure there's going to be more to discover there. Thank you so much for your time today, Amy. Thank you, Elliot. So much fun. And that was the Simply Fit Podcast. I hope you gained a huge amount of value from today's episode. I feel inspired to improve your health and well-being. Be sure to search for Simply Fit in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcast from. And go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, if you like the episode, please don't forget to give it a five-star rating. I'd love to hear your feedback or any questions you have. So reach out to me on social media. You'll find me on Facebook and Instagram at Elliot Hassoun. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to talking with you all on the next one.